sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's a big Monday night football game for the Philadelphia Eagles, a chance to dive right back into the NFL playoff picture. We've said that here on this show last week, the week before, and even the week before that, and probably the week before that as well. How many chances do the Eagles get to stay in the playoff picture? Well, this is probably the final one, and the question that a lot of people probably are wondering tonight is, will it be Carson Wentz for the full four quarters, or is there a chance Jalen Hurts gets to make his debut playing quarterback in the NFL. That's where we lead this show here on this Monday as the Seahawks take on the Eagles on Monday Night Football. It could be the final game of the week because the Ravens-Steelers game is still unclear at this point. Maybe we'll have some clarity on that in the next hour. Maybe not. Jalen Hurts did take some first-team reps in practice, according to people who cover the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll see if that comes to fruition tonight. The San Francisco 49ers are not going to be allowed to play their games over the next month in Santa Clara. So there are some reports potentially they could play in Arizona or maybe somewhere else. We will see. Speaking of location, there's nothing better than playing that Maui Classic in Hawaii. Instead of playing in Hawaii, you play the game in Asheville, North Carolina, which is where that game, those games are going on right now. College basketball is all wacky too this year. And the NBA Hall of Fame induction weekend will go on, supposedly, in May of 2021, so with some news potentially on a vaccine here in the United States, maybe this is their way of saying that uh, we're going to do this thing and maybe even do it in person. Who knows? Uh, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant are all going to be inducted. It's a heck of a Hall of Fame class for sure, mm. and I'll look forward to seeing that. You're talking about three all-time greats playing in the era where uh, certainly everybody loved basketball, just like they do now. But at that time, too, Duncan, Garnett, Kobe Bryant. So that's where we'll start here today. And, of course, Joe, Monday Night Football, for me, probably the end of the line for my fantasy football season tonight. This is it for me. Because, <laughs> look, in, in the leagues I'm in, I have DK Metcalf and all. So I'm going to need him not to be Tyreek Hill, but I'm going to need him to – have a huge performance in one league. I need, I need 21 fantasy points from him to win, to stay alive. And in the other league, I'm going to need 20 points from him. And then probably another 10 or 15 from Rager on Philadelphia. So unfortunately from a, a Washington standpoint tonight, I guess I'm going to have to begin on this game. I was hoping to not have to be, but <laughs> I didn't watch any of last night's game, Sunday night uh, bears Packers. I packed on well, you only had to watch the first quarter or so to, to get a feel for what that game was. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty much it. But uh, I think you're okay with DK Metcalf holding up his end of the bargain. I would imagine he's at least going to be competitive 21? there. I think you know it's possible. It's the combination of him and Rager that's asking, I think, a little bit more. And I think it's right. asking a lot of just the Eagles right now. I mean, the you know, here we are. We're sitting here in a game where we're looking at one of the worst, if not the worst, pass defense we've ever seen, right, in terms of total yards and what they've given up all year. And right. what should be a smash game for Carson Wentz and the Eagles, they should be able to throw for 300-something yards. They should look really good. There is nothing but fear and loathing here going on. There's nothing but concern of does Carson Wentz even finish this game? And I can only assume that Jalen Hurts hasn't really shown you a lot in practice this year. 
to warrant maybe a change in quarterback earlier. Maybe we're getting him up to that point. Maybe he's feeling better. I've seen him take a couple snaps here and there. It hasn't looked good. It was gimmick plays, usually stuff around the goal line, things like that, but it hasn't been great. So you're giving him more opportunity with the ones. I mean, Carson Wentz has got to hear the footsteps here as we welcome in our radio audience here to Sports Grid and, of course, Fantasy Sports Today, Joe Pizzapia and Craig Mish here. We're talking about the Monday night football game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. And Craig, you know, when you're starting to look at this too, I think you have to start considering where is Carson Wentz going to be next year? Because if indeed we're hearing these footsteps again of Jalen Hurts, he's had it before with Foles who went off and won the Super Bowl when he was standing on the sidelines with an injury at a certain point here. Does Doug Peterson get moved on from? Does Carson Wentz get moved on from? Do we see Doug Peterson get a chance to remake the Eagles with Jalen Hurts? There's so many questions here. And again, looking at this on the schedule eight weeks ago, you would say this is a great opportunity for Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles to really put up some points and look good in this game. But I personally have zero confidence in that ability, especially with all the turnovers that Carson Wentz has. Carson Wentz has more turnovers than 29 other NFL teams all together. I mean, can imagine that, right? There's only three teams that have more turnovers than Carson Wentz as an individual. That is a stunning number. Yeah, for me, I I would keep Doug Peterson. I think he's a good coach. It's just been a bad year for them for sure. And and the only thing that I would accuse him of is maybe being a little bit too stubborn, not making the the pull of of the quarterback. But I think that that will happen tonight if Wentz does not play well. Uh, and, and there are also going to be a lot of coaches that are going to be let go, I think, in the offseason for sure. And in Chicago, we'll talk about I think that could be one of them. I would hire Peterson immediately. I'd put him at the top. I, I like him as a coach. I just, it's, you know, a down year. It's been a bad year for them. He did bring a Super Bowl to Philadelphia. So, uh, not ready to quit on him yet. We'll see what Philadelphia does tonight. We'll also see what Seattle does tonight. I'll need probably Metcalf to go six catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. It does, you're right. It does not sound unreasonable to think that that could happen, but I've seen Metcalf have wide receiver one meaning 1.1, best wide receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. I've seen Metcalf do zero in the NFL, too. Mm-hmm. So not really sure what to expect tonight. But I've seen um, a lot more good. Uh, DK's been, you know, you know Tyler Lockett there, there's had no, there's no doubt. this year. There's no doubt. But, How many you know, receivers I, are I, ahead I, of him in fantasy in the NFL for money right Adams. now? Maybe one or two. Yeah, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, that's the conversation you're having. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, that's the elite-level group. And I'll tell you what, if I had to ask you, put you to it. Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold, who gets the second breath in the NFL and ends up having a better career? Um, put me on the spot there. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Wentz. I'm gonna say Wentz does for sure. I don't think it's I don't think it's Darnold's fault necessarily, but he's in a really bad. He's like in that Josh Rosen spot, unfortunately. All right, Browns and Jags. We'll do that coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. A very compelling game yesterday, as it turned out, between the Cleveland Browns and Jacksonville Jaguars. And ironically... The one game in the Super Contest that we ended up losing, and boy, was it the right side taking Cleveland yesterday. 
at the end of the game with two minutes left and on fourth down the Jaguars go for it don't get it and they call a roughing the passer Jaguars go in and score and ruins the perfect day in the super contest for us but okay we'll take the four and one and move on from that but man that was a very very tough loss to endure yes you needed the four uh, and one because last week was such a bloodbath for everybody in that contest so that's a good timing for you guys to have a four and one i I think most people did well this week i I know the public lost again but remember I, I, and by the way, the Saints were not the most picked team. But remember, the Saints line was six on Wednesday. So, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, on Saturday night, we had to make the picks. And before we did, uh, you know, Howard Bender and I, we share a ticket in the Super Contest. I called Howard and said, hey, like, this guy, the, the, the Broncos have no quarterback. Like, we have to take <laughs> a pick out and put, and put the Saints in at minus six. Like, we just, it just has to be done. And and believe and it or not, didn't put they the were Saints not the most... in your FanDuel lineup. How'd that happen? I know that's, that why I, that's why I'm picking myself that I didn't think of it because I thought of it Saturday, and we switched out. We switched out Philadelphia tonight for the Saints mm-hmm. at minus six. Good call. So we'll see what ends up happening. But, <laughs> no. but I'm still burned you'll, you'll with Cleveland. Man. Cleveland had that game, and and I didn't even mm-hmm. like that that uh, that roughing the passer on Olivier Vernon. It didn't even look like he did anything, and, and they called it, and then the Jaguars scored, and then that, they covered. But Cleveland wins. Baker Mayfield, 19 of 29, 258 passing yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb was fantastic. They just basically couldn't stop him. 19 carries, 144 rushing yards, three receptions, 32 yards, also scored a touchdown. Jarvis Landry with his best game of the season as well. Eight receptions, 143 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Cleveland's just a very good running team, and they really don't need to throw the ball a lot. And when they do, Landry is is the one guy that seems open more often than not. Uh, Jacksonville, definitely respectable. Mike Glennon, 20 of 35, 235 passing yards, two touchdowns. James Robinson was great. The Browns had a hard time stopping him. 22 carries, 128 rushing yards, five receptions, 31 yards, and a touchdown. It's been a great story this year. And then Colin Johnson is definitely a named circle for me because I thought he looked pretty good. And the Jaguars really don't have a one at wide receiver. So that is a name for next year for me to keep an eye on if this guy ends up getting more time. Four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. It may just be the fact that Glennon worked with the backups and Johnson Mm -hmm. was a backup, and usually that connection happens when they're on the same field. But I I was impressed with Jaguars fighting a little bit. And had Doug Marone not gone for two twice in this game, they probably would have went to overtime. But uh, Robinson was a good takeaway for me. He's just been good against almost every team this year. So got to say that that was the one, I would say, nice pickup of the year, even though it was Mm. the first week of the season. No, James Robinson's been a revelation. I mean, look, we're in week 12 and he's dropping games like this, too. So Jaguars did still lose this game. They also lost a general manager. And Doug Marone somehow still has a job. This is... Another fascinating situation. Four GM changes in season for the NFL. I don't ever remember seeing anything like this. It's kind of crazy. And I know some were tied to the head coach, obviously, like Bill O'Brien, that same position. But still, I want to give all the credit to James Robinson because this is a guy that was on nobody's radar. Nobody was talking about James Robinson coming into the season. And James Robinson hasn't been a one-week wonder. I mean, this guy has continuously done it, and he had a rough patch, too. At some point in the season, about, you know, six weeks ago, things started to go down a little bit. And look at him yesterday, just bouncing right back again. I mean, the guy's been terrific. And on the other side of this game, too, this was the first touchdown pass for Baker Mayfield to the Cleveland Browns since week seven. Okay? 
week seven since he's thrown a touchdown pass, Greg. That is insane. But that's the identity of the Cleveland Browns. They are running the football, running the football, and then running the football some more. And running off play action is what you're going to do to get Baker Mayfield to be uh, more controlled with the football. And it's and it's coming out in wins. And that's the most important stat here for the Cleveland Browns. For them, it's all about the W's, which is something that's eluded them in the past. And if it means taking the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands more, then that's what you're going to do. And I'll tell you right, it's not crazy also to think about right now that Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb should be considered for number one and number two overall next year in that conversation very strongly because Dalvin Cook will always be one of these guys that has this lingering doubt about injuries. Christian McCaffrey is going to have the doubt because of the workload and the injuries he's dealt with here this season. Alvin Kamara is going to have some doubt because what if Taysom Hill is the guy that takes over? We've seen the last two weeks here. A lot of people starting to get worried. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But Chubb and uh, my guy Derrick Henry, they look like the focal points of their offenses. And in a year and in an era of the NFL where you don't see people run the football as often as those two teams do, it would be very smart to start to consider them the safest top picks going into 2021. All right, let's let's dive back into the Chiefs and Buccaneers. We touched on this. If you go back and watch On Demand in the first hour of the show, we spent some time talking about how well the Chiefs played, so we'll focus a little more on Tampa Bay here. But let's start with KC. Mahomes, 37 of 49, 462 passing yards, 28 rushing yards, three touchdowns for him. Edwards Hilaire, quiet day, 11 for 37 on the ground. Tyreek Hill had one of the best receiving days of all time in the history of fantasy football. Top five game, 13 receptions, 269 yards, and three touchdowns. A couple of really long scores as well. Travis Kelsey rewarded you eight receptions, 82 yards, 16 fantasy points from a tight end. You'll take that every single week. Now, on the side of Tampa Bay, Tom Brady was much better this week than he was last week, but still did make a couple of bad throws. 345 in the air, three touchdowns. If you lose points for picks, that's the only thing that sets you back here, two interceptions for him. Uh, They didn't really run the ball all that much because they were down, but Ronald Jones looked okay on the ground. Nine carries, 66 yards. He had one reception and broke a few tackles and then ran for a touchdown. Gronkowski was basically Brady's primary receiver in this game. He was targeted a ton, six receptions, 106 yards. Evans scored twice. He's very touchdown dependent at this stage. And then Chris Godwin caught eight balls for 97 yards. And Godwin, since he's been back, does seem to Mm -hmm. be bouncing back a little bit in terms of fantasy, not scoring as much as we thought, but still picks up six receptions, 60 yards, 70 yards every game. So uh, Buccaneers just went up against a really good opponent in Kansas City. I think they'll be okay. I don't know that they're a Super Bowl team. And to me, one of the more unpredictable teams also in the NFL. I mean, we talked about this last week, even the week before. Nothing's going to surprise me with them. They're going to get into the first round. Mm. They're probably going to have to go on the road. It wouldn't surprise me if they win. It wouldn't surprise me if they lose. It wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. if they're in the Super Bowl. It wouldn't surprise me if if they're just done after week one just because they play so wildly inconsistent. But they're, they seem to be putting it all together at different points. And they hung with Kansas City as long as they could, but a lot of teams can't hang with the Chiefs. And so no. <laughs> that's kind of the way that I see the, the Bucs. That's, that's why they're 10-1, and because nobody can really hang with the Chiefs, so all respect. But you know what? I'll say this. Godwin, certainly from a fantasy standpoint, if you stuck with him, you're being rewarded here. He does look like the guy everybody thought he would be with Brady. But both these teams had a lot of turnovers in the red zone in that game yesterday. This game was a very peculiar game. For those who did not watch it, it looked like it was going to be a blowout with Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes lighting up the scoreboard in the first quarter of this game. 
And then the second half rolled around and things got tighter and, and there was some ineptitude and some mistakes and some miscues. And all of a sudden, you know, there was a little bit of chippiness too. Devin White chirping with everybody uh, basically on the other side of the football. And, and it seemed like a game that, you know, you saw Tampa Bay start to do some things better in the second half and you saw them kind of answer the bell and respond, but it just was a little you know, too little, too late, I guess they would say. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think they step back from this game. This is a huge road win from them. I think they'll take this. And maybe they took their foot off the gas a little too soon for this team. But I think for me, Craig, this game could have been very different had both teams been a little bit more efficient in the red zone. We saw picks throw in the end zone. We saw some turnovers in the red zone here. And then both sides of the football. And look, you know, Tom Brady's got 11 interceptions this year. You're not going to be able to win a whole lot of football games turning the ball over consistently like that. Something they've got to figure out. And I know it takes time to get everybody together. And I know they're still adding pieces like Brown and now Godwin's been healthy. So I feel like this whole season is almost like one giant preseason for them just to get to the playoffs to see what they can do. And I feel like that's kind of like how Brady and Bruce Arians view it. It's like, okay, we'll find our way in. But if we could just get everything right by week 17, we could be a dangerous team and they might not be wrong. All right, coming up next, 49ers and Rams, and then we'll touch on that Saints-Broncos game. Of course, we got fantasy and reality coming up a little bit later in the show as well. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaTS17. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. As timing is everything, the San Francisco 49ers announced a couple of minutes ago their home games are moving to... Arizona, where they will play in Glendale and host games over the next month. They will not play in the state of California. So home field advantage sort of out the window for the 49ers, but at least they get to continue their season. We saw that happen, of course, in the NBA playing in a bubble with no home field advantage. We saw it in Major League Baseball with playing home teams on the road. Well, here we are. The 49ers are going to have their home games played uh, in the desert, and that's what's to come here in the month of December. We'll see what January brings. Probably not much for the 49ers. Who knows for the Rams what that will be? Let's take a look at what the 49ers did yesterday. Coming out blazing off the bye, played fantastic in the first half. 24 of 35, Nick Mullins was 252 passing yards. He threw one interception. Mostert also looked great in the first half and then nearly fumbled away the game in the second half. Did score a touchdown in this one, so gave you what you needed in fantasy, but was not all that impressive. Uh, Debo Samuel was an absolute monster for the 49ers yesterday and definitely need to circle his name for next year if he is healthy because with a quarterback, this guy could be special. 11 receptions, 133 receiving yards, couldn't cover him, couldn't tackle him, and and could be something for next year. They'll need better quarterback play for sure. Uh, Rams uh, came out very sluggish, 19 of 31, 184, two interceptions. Cam Akers, maybe this is the lone bright spot for them yesterday, had a long run, also scored a touchdown, 9 for 84. Woods pretty much every week is consistent, 7 for 80, 15 fantasy points. Josh Reynolds got you about 10 fantasy points. And Cooper Cup, a very quiet game after the great game that he had last week. So the Rams really didn't deserve to even be in this game, Joe. They didn't play well in the first half, but they were coming off some unbelievably played games for them. They had played better than almost any team in the NFL, 
And every team has a letdown, and that's my analysis here with the Rams. They just basically ran into the 49ers coming off healthy, coming off a bye, uh, didn't play well. And and I just think it was a one-game scenario, in, in my opinion, on this one. I'm not really worried about the Rams. Well, I, I'm not allowed to be worried or not worried about the Rams for the rest of the season. My doctor told me if I continue to get so upset about the Rams that he's going to put me on the blood pressure medication. So I'm just going to take a deep breath and not be upset about the Rams one way or another. I will say this. It was a stunningly bad performance there from Cooper Cup. From a fantasy perspective, this is a guy who had 40 targets over his last three games. He had just two receptions in this game. What? What are we doing here? It's good to see Cam Akers get a touchdown. That's back-to-back weeks for Cam Akers. So what we were alluding to the other day, that uh, last week, where maybe Cam Akers just kind of finish off strong here and becomes that guy that we were hoping he would be, that's great. Chances are it's on some other person's fantasy team. Very unlikely it's the person that drafted him right now has Cam Akers. I would love to see a stat about that. How many people drafted Cam Akers, still have Cam Akers on their roster, and actually I still have the benefit of him. That's so that's one percent. You are the one percent, Greg Mish. But look, they did run into a healthy San Francisco 49er team, which is kind of an anomaly in 2020 when you think about it. Richard Sherman was back for this game, Mostert was back for this game, and Debo is one of my favorite guys. I mean, Debo is one of these dudes that I was super excited about last year as a rookie, but the quarterback play and the constant injuries it's not just one injury now he's had a lot of injuries in two years here and he's had a lot of tough time getting on the field heck he even started the season late because of an injury so it's difficult he's going to be one of those great risk rewards i could tell you going into 2021 if you get him cheap in any sort of keeper in dynasty league i would do that because i think the upside i agree is there i think debo is a terrific talent and it's just a matter of who is the quarterback next year is it on the roster or not but Look, a healthy 49er team is certainly more competitive, and let's not forget that most are being back is probably the most important part. Sorry, that jokes aside. Yeah, and, and Mostert almost gave the game away with a fumble yesterday. Wilson played a little bit too. Uh, okay, let's move over to the Saints and Broncos, a game that was basically over before it started. I was hoping for a nice story yesterday with Denver, but didn't didn't really get there. For the Saints, Taysom Hill threw for just 78 yards, but rushed for 44 yards and, and two touchdowns, both on the ground. Latavius Murray has been the running back of choice lately for the Saints. 19 carries, 124 rushing yards and scored twice and the game was kind of out of hand when he was scoring and no one was really tackling him but still it is got to be concerning if you have Alvin Kamara because Murray has taken away a lot of his carries 11 for 54 there and then Michael Thomas four for 50 so we'll dive back to that in a second because there isn't anything to talk about with the Broncos as Kendall Hinton was one of nine for 13 passing yards his only reception completed was to Noah Fant and no other receiver or tight end caught a pass in the game yesterday. Royce Freeman, 8 for 50. Melvin Gordon, 12 for 31. They're expected to get a quarterback of some kind back for this week. So I see what's (laughs) happening with Murray and Kamara, but I can't say that I understand it. The only thing that I could guess is that they are easing Kamara because of his touches that he's had over the last couple of years, because beyond it, I see it. I get that it's happening, but no one seems to have an explanation for it. That's for sure. Well, look, both these teams, these these last two weeks here for Taysom Hill, I mean, Taysom Hill, fun stat here, he's the only guy uh, since the merger to have two rushing touchdowns in back-to-back games with zero passing touchdowns total. So that's kind of a, a fascinating stat. You want to talk about old-timey football, talking about throwback kind of a, a statistic, there it is for you. I mean, it's not what you see in modern-day football. So, yeah, I mean, I've never thought of that. Perhaps this is their way of saying, let's give 
a little bit of a respite here to Alvin Kamara. Let's try to reboot a little bit, and, and we don't have to lean on him as much with Taysom Hill playing quarterback. It's a different style of offense. Also been blowouts, so it would make sense that Latavius Murray, more of the, the true ball carrier of the two, being that guy that gets that kind of workload in the fourth quarter at the end of games and things like that when you're up by a fair amount. But that being said, it's not going to make any Alvin Kamara owner happy right now, especially the ones that are on that precipice of playoffs the last two weeks. Because the last two weeks have been very daunting, I think. If you have Alvin Kamara, there's no way you could take him out. But at the same time, you're watching Taysom Hill taking all these touchdown opportunities away from him. And you're sitting there, and if you're kind of looking at tiebreakers and things like that, this is where you need Alvin Kamara the most. And the Saints are basically backing off collectively. So we'll see what happens next week but it's certainly reason i think to be very concerned and also to be long-term concerned because if Taysom hill is the way they're going to be going in this organization what does that mean for michael thomas what does that mean for alvin Kamara? all of a sudden the saints went from being one of the most exciting fantasy teams collectively to being well is it all just Taysom hill and then kind of step away and that is that is a real question we might have to ask ourselves. It's still a small sample size and a weird sample size. This game against Denver with all the circumstances around it makes it really tough to glean too much from it. But there's enough happening the last two weeks to start getting some doubt creeping in. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of fantasy owners, and rightfully so. Yeah, and Hill's going to get another start here. So uh, we'll get more data. We'll get more information. But all of a sudden, Latavius Murray looks like a startable guy again and, and hadn't been for 10 weeks. So here we are. Okay, Green Bay and Chicago, the Sunday night NFL game wasn't much of one. The Packers dominated from start to finish. Aaron Rodgers, who right now probably, I would say, uh, is is at least a runner-up for NFL MVPs. Had that kind of year. Four touchdowns, 21 of 29, 211 through the air. Aaron Jones on the ground, 17 of 90. Jamal Williams ended up scoring the touchdown for them. 1773 on the ground. Devontae Adams, six catches, 61 yards. He got the game scoring early on with his first touchdown there. And then Robert Tunyon, who's been a nice surprise all season long for the Packers. Five receptions, 67 yards, and a score. Now, for the Chicago Bears, they went with Mitchell Trubisky back at quarterback for them to see if they could salvage this thing. Remember, the Bears got off to a great start this season, but it's been all downhill since. And that was the story again for Trubisky last night who looked okay in the first quarter, and then things sort of fell apart. 242 passing yards. He did throw for three touchdowns, but threw two ugly interceptions for him. The lone bright spots were David Montgomery for the Bears, who had 11 carries, 103 rushing yards, also five receptions, 40 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And then Allen Robinson, another monster game for him, eight receptions, 74 yards, and two touchdowns. As the Packers, at this point, look like they have more or less wrapped up the division and mm-hmm. i don't know that they're going to get a buy of any kind i mean that's still to be determined here but they certainly have a shot at it and and it played great football for i think they played better football this year than they did last year last year the stats didn't really tell you that the packers mm-hmm. were a great team and that showed itself in the playoffs this year i think they're a much better team and rogers is clearly more motivated he's having a great year for sure yeah. and on the Bears side they just don't have a lot you know it's defensively they didn't play well and a lot of the the garbage time numbers is what you just saw there with that previous graphic so just another unimpressive performance for them yeah i would agree i do think the packers look better this year than they do last year and i think robert tunyon's given them a little bit of physicality too out there that's something that the packer teams have lacked a little bit i mean aaron jones is a good physical back but still you know having robert tunyon out there in the red zone but also having him out there 
you know, stiff arming guys and pushing guys around a little bit. It's a little bit more of an edge to this Packers offense that was not there. Devontae Adams, obviously fantastic, but you know, really the story of last night, I think you got to talk about the offensive line. I mean, 30 dropbacks for Aaron Rodgers. You know how many times the Bears hit him? Zero. Zero mm. times did they get to him. So to me, that's it. If you're going to give Aaron Rodgers five seconds on average to throw the football, it is not going to be a good day at the office. And look, yeah, a good line there from Montgomery, which is not something we've seen very often this year in 2020. A good line from Allen Robinson, something we're used to seeing. Whoever's playing quarterback. Once again, it comes down to the quarterback position. And it was kind of a, you know, one rough call there. It was definitely two face mask penalties on that turnover on Trubisky that he had there when he lost the ball and they ran it in for a touchdown that nobody called on, not once, but twice, two times there was a face mask there on that. But look, you know, at a certain point here, you have to just kind of acknowledge the mistake here and move on. And Foles isn't the answer. Trubisky's not the answer. And no. um, right now, the it looks like they're in the driver's seat, the Green Bay Packers, to, like you said, win this division. And who knows? Maybe they do get this by, especially with Tampa losing three of the last four. I mean, maybe that is exactly what Green Bay kind of needs to kind of sneak in there. And who knows? Maybe challenge the Saints for that by that first round, because that could be huge. Yeah, no, it could. And and those three teams, the Saints, the Packers, and the Bucks, do look like the class of the NFC. So I uh, would be surprised if any other team ended up getting to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And we'll see what happens the rest of the way. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to do a little fantasy or reality. Some of the topics that we'll dive into, of course, it was Black Friday this past Friday. Today is Cyber Monday. We'll find out how much we dug into our wallets and also talk about what's next for Mike Tyson after he fought that exhibition on Saturday night. So stay tuned. What Messy Sports Today is coming up next. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here on SportsGrid and on SportsGrid.com. Got you covered from all the fantasy angles we possibly can get to here on the show. We got a Monday night football game that we'll break down tomorrow on the program. And just maybe we'll have a Tuesday night game, too, between the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. That game right now definitely seems to be a 50-50 proposition. But I would say this, Joe, if they made the Broncos play that game... I don't know that it's the right thing to do to make them play the game, but I mean, how are they going to allow the Ravens to back out of this thing? I, I don't see it. It's it's such a consequential game too, because you know Ravens Steelers. I mean, this is big time AFC North stuff here. It's one thing the Broncos people kind of view them as not a playoff team and kind of moving on, but this is you know the Ravens are right in the thick of things here. This is this is very difficult, and a lot of people will ask me questions: Do I play Chris Carson tonight? Or do I play Claypool potentially tomorrow? And I keep telling yeah. everybody, I would just take the points. I think that is the best thing I could tell to everybody now. If you have somebody that's viable tonight, whether it be a Goddard or a Chris Carson, you know, one of these guys that, you know, you start depending on the matchup, I think you play them. I think you play them tonight and don't take the chance. Now, I know that's easy to say, but 
uh, there's so many variables and it's such a moving target right now, this Baltimore uh, Pittsburgh Steeler game that I don't feel great about it happening on Tuesday night, potentially. And if it does get moved to 18, then you're going to see other games get moved to 18 too. And uh, I saw this morning, the NFL has an option here. You know, the, the latest they can go here is all the way into March. If they want to with the Super Bowl, if they had to, that's how late they can go because the new year of the NFL starts, I think it's March 7th, I believe, or somewhere close to that. Now that's probably not going to be the case, but if they did have to move a week or shift things, I mean, it's not a normal travel year for the Super Bowl in terms of media coverage, in terms of fans so of all the years you're going to kind of be fluid with things this would be the year and i think the integrity of the game is important i think you kind of saw that on display this week uh, against uh, the new orleans saints and denver broncos the integrity of the game was not there because you have a guy who was put in a, in a very difficult situation so i don't think they should play the game but i understand from the pittsburgh steelers standpoint too they've done nothing wrong here why shouldn't the pittsburgh steelers get out there and, and be able to play their because they've had it from tennessee they've had it from baltimore i mean the pittsburgh yeah. steelers have really gotten the raw end of the stick and they are still undefeated so how about that that's a great job by mike tomlin keeping his team focused on what the most important thing is and not getting too ahead of themselves and not getting caught up in the noise of what's going on or blaming other people just playing who's on the schedule whenever they tell you to show up and play it's a great job, and I wonder if Mike Tomlin actually deserves Coach of the Year and kind of factoring that into the conversation. Yeah, they've had a great year, and, and honestly, I, I totally understand from their perspective, but you're right. The integrity is really important, and we didn't see it on Sunday. That's where we'll start, our fantasy or reality. Let's start off with the quarterback of the Broncos in that game, Kendall Hinton, who he did his best, but look, I mean, he was up and against an impossible situation to be asked to play quarterback in the NFL. No preparation off the practice squad. He was limited even when he was a quarterback at Wake Forest. But let's be real here and ask the question, fantasy or reality, Kendall Hinton will play another down in the NFL. A harsh truth here. If it is true, fantasy or reality for you, Joe? Man, this is a tough one to do to this guy. First of all, before I even answer this question, I want to give this guy some love. Because Saturday he gets a phone call. Hey, can you come play for the Broncos this week? And he says, oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to play. Uh, yeah, but you got to play quarterback. What? You don't know the playbook? All of a sudden, it's it's so hard to play quarterback in the NFL anyway. You don't know the playbook. You don't know the personnel. You haven't taken any practice snaps. You haven't done anything. What an impossible situation that this kid was put in. And you know what? I, I think we're lucky he said yes, because that's probably the only reason you had a game. And I'll tell you this much, too. I, I'm proud of that guy for saying yes. He knew this was going to be ugly. And he went out there and took a chance to wear that orange jersey and go out there and play in the NFL. And you know what? I think it's probably a fantasy that he plays another down in the NFL, which is really sad. So you get your opportunity, you shoot your shot, you see what happens. And unfortunately, the performance wasn't good, but I don't think anybody could have expected it to be good. I want to give this guy credit for answering the bell. I want to give this guy credit for going out there in an absolutely impossible and, let's be honest, possibly dangerous situation for a guy. This guy could have gone out there, gotten hurt, not realized where the coverages are, or what's going on. I mean, this is asking a ton of this guy who hasn't played quarterback in quite some time to go out there and do this. And I want to give this guy all the credit in the world because he deserves it. It's it's a great story despite the epic failure. But I think the failure is on the Broncos and the failure is on following the protocols, it seems like, and things that they were supposed to do. And, and that's a situation they should not have been put in and a very weird situation where Mike Tyson on Friday night is fighting and the only healthy quarterback in the Bronco organization is John Elway. Now you tell me, Craig Mish, what year is it? 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> to think that that could have happened is insane. And and I know this morning the report is all the Broncos quarterbacks tested negative, so that's a that's a good sign for them moving forward. And I agree with you a hundred percent. And Kendall Hinton needs to be celebrated for what he tried to do yesterday, being asked to try and quarterback in a game when he shouldn't even be a receiver in the NFL, let alone a quarterback. So. Unfortunately, I am going to say fantasy. I don't think you're going to see him again, but he'll always have that moment where he played and baseball, they call it the show. In the NFL, I guess you could say it's the same thing. But, yeah, he was up against the, the toughest odds ever, and just the fact that he came off the field healthy, I think, is important to note for sure. Okay, so from that fantasy, let's go to another fantasy. Who would have thought in 2020 Mike Tyson would be fighting? And he did in an exhibition on Saturday night. It was pretty well received. The first couple of rounds were entertaining. Then you showed that you had 50-year-old guys in the boxing ring, and they were just, you know, <laughs> Roy Jones was holding a lot. Tyson looked tired. Jones looked tired. But after the fight, Mike Tyson said this is just the beginning of his comeback, and they're going to have some sort of legends of boxing. And that's a scary proposition. I've been to the Boxing Hall of Fame with those guys. They don't look like they should be boxing anymore. In fact, if there's one sport where you should be done, it is boxing. When you're done, you should be done. You shouldn't come back. You shouldn't fight again. But Tyson says he's going to continue. So fantasy reality, Joe, Mike Tyson will fight someone under the age of 40 in 2021. Fantasy or reality? Uh, I'm going to say fantasy, and I, I hope he doesn't. But, you know, look, I, I understand. You know, the, you know, I listened to Mike Tyson over the weekend talk about this, and this is – you know, he felt like a piece of him is missing when he's not doing this. This is his identity. And I get that. And I, I think there's a part of it that's very poetic and beautiful that, you know, he wants to be able to do this as long as he possibly can do it. And, you know, unfortunately, the reality is it's dangerous, number one, but also kind of sad that he couldn't find other things in his life to kind of fill that void from boxing. And I love Mike Tyson. I mean, I grew up with Mike Tyson. I'm a Brooklyn kid and everybody loved Mike Tyson and it was a big deal. And, sure. and you know, Mike Tyson, what he was and what he is now is not the same. I give him a lot of credit for going through the training and getting himself back in shape. And, and maybe that's just something he needed. But, you know, I thought the dude did a fantastic job with that one man show we did on Broadway. I thought it was enthralling and fascinating. And he was a great storyteller. I was shocked how good that dude was on stage doing this. And I think he's a performer. And I think maybe that's the core of what Mike Tyson is. And he doesn't realize it. He's a performer. And as long as he can continue to perform, he should. But in a boxing ring, I don't know if that's the best way at this point for him. I'll tell you what. I don't know if you fell asleep uh, for the uh, for the undercard. But Jake Paul and Nate Robinson, especially the the play-by-play by Snoop Dogg, singing hymns uh, on the second knockout. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, if anything, we should be watching more Jake Paul celebrity fights because that was kind of entertaining, I think. And my goodness, the memes that followed were just unfair but funny. They were they were some pretty funny stuff there that I saw. And uh, look, boxing is no joke. And anybody who thinks it is, you know, you go out there, you train, you get hit a couple of times, it'll change your whole perspective. So I say fantasy. I don't think you'll fight someone under 40. I hope he doesn't fight anymore. I hope he got out of his system. But sadly, I, I doubt he has. What do you think about this, Greg? I, I say reality. I, I think that he is going to seek credibility and he's going to find a boxer to fight that is – 20 years younger than him or something like that. So I'm going to say reality. I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know who the candidates lined up to be or would be, but I, I just have a feeling, and it's a guess, I have a feeling that he is going to be seeking more credibility off of that fight from Roy Jones and find a boxer in his, his 30s and say, look, I beat the young guy too. Um, 
I know Evander Holyfield has been talked about, and again, he's way over 50 here, so you're talking about another one in that category, but we'll have to see what happens, and in terms of the undercard, yes, I did watch that too, and Nate Robinson just got pummeled, I, I saw that. Uh, Paul is interesting because there's some talk maybe he would fight Floyd Mayweather, and I don't know how that would go necessarily, or even <laughs> Conor McGregor, I don't know how that would go either, but he's, he's made a name for himself also in boxing, and he's taken it really seriously. So uh, my, my is reality. I'm going to go reality. He will fight okay. uh, someone under 40 in 2021. All right, finally, Black Friday has come and gone. Once upon a time, this was a day that everybody would wake up very early on in the morning, line up outside your local electronic store or wherever you would go to get the you know $200 TV instead of the $400. Why people would do this, I have no idea. I was part of that extravaganza many years ago, a couple different scenarios we could talk about, some funny stories. <laughs> but this year it was all at home for me. Fantasy or reality, I'll start with you, Joe, that you spent over $99 on Black Friday and today's Cyber Monday, which is what they call it, combined. Over 99 bucks. Uh, <clears throat> this is reality. In fact, as soon as this show's over, the queue is full on Amazon. I got gifts to get and things, and I've waited on a few and a couple things for myself. I need a new printer. I got a new computer this year. Now the old printer's starting to crap out. So I'm taking advantage of the deals. I want all the deals. But I am somebody that is, I've never gone to Black Friday shopping. I will never do this. I think this is insane. I know some people, this is like their thing. Thanksgiving happens and then they're out there at midnight and they are ready to go waiting online trying to get, I don't understand this. You don't have to do this. That's what Cyber Monday's for. You could sit there and just click, click, click. And you're basically right. getting the same deals. And I understand, like, you know, money's tight for people. And I, I get that. I'm not begrudging anybody the opportunity. But then you see people dying for this stuff, like people getting trampled at Walmart with doors collapsing on them just so they could save 15% on, on the newest Elmo. I don't understand this. This is a crazy thing to me. And the only thing, you know, and every year my mother will tell the one Black Friday story she has. And every year at Christmas she'll tell, you know, I went out on Black Friday once to get you that damn Ewok village. And I had to fight and give elbows and all this stuff just to make sure you had that Ewok village. And you know what? I love that Ewok village. That Ewok village, hours and hours of constant entertainment. You know, you can slide little guys through the thing. They come out there. You can roast some stuff on the little fire, put Han Solo on there if you wanted to and all these fun things. So uh, I've never been Black Friday shopping. I will never be Black Friday shopping. But Cyber Monday, yeah, sign me up. I could sit there and get the same deals from the comfort of my own home, 100%. Where do I sign? How about you, Craig? Yeah, I personally did not, but I'm well aware. I'm seeing the orders coming in, so I'm guessing my wife did spend well over $99. Me personally, I, I did not. I, I did I did not, but I'm simple, so I don't I don't need the stuff. But I'm guessing that yes, if you combine my household in terms of money spent, that's for sure. The the one uh Black Friday story that resonates with me was many, many years ago. I did wake up at five o'clock in the morning. You remember the big Furby craze, the Furbies? Remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I uh, Me and a bunch of buddies thought it'd be a great idea to go uh, buy and sell the Furbies. So we woke <laughs> up at like five in the morning, went to the local Toys R Us when they still had Toys R Us. And I believe we each got like two or three uh, Furbies. And this was like at, at uh, the beginning of eBay, maybe. And we ended up, uh, you know, making a few bucks on it, maybe 50 bucks a piece, 100 bucks a piece. Was it worth it? No. But I can <laughs> tell you that that the rush to get the hands on the Furbies was just was just bananas. And it was Did insane. So that, that was the one get... story. 
Did you, did you get any? Get, did you bleed? Did you get uh, busted open at all? Did you have to like fight an old lady for a Furby or like what? Any 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 throwing no, hands no, or no? We ended up getting a Furby. One of my one of my friends was so silly. He ended up opening one of them. We're like, what are you doing? Like the whole point oh. of this was to resell it. That's why we were doing that. And he was like, no, I thought it was cute. Was like, but yeah, that that was my my lone Black Friday like crazy story. I, I've gone shopping before and gone in person on on Black Friday, but. Not in 2020, that's for sure. Sports Grid 60 is next. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Joe and I will be back on the show Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, and delivering you all of the information and recaps from the Monday Night Football game between Seattle and Philadelphia. But before we leave you today, let's turn it over to Joe. He's got the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Tom Brady's my favorite quarterback of all time, but I'm going to take Tom Brady to task a little bit here today. Because he's selective of who he shakes hands with at the end of games. It's not something I ever really noticed until recently when people started talking about it. And now, of course, I'm looking for it. And last night, he shook hands with Patrick Mahomes, certainly a worthy opponent. And shakes hands with Drew Brees. He, heck, he even shook hands with Justin Herbert. But he didn't shake hands with Nick Foles a couple weeks ago. And he didn't shake hands with Jared Goff a couple weeks ago. So why is this? Why is the sportsmanship inconsistent? I understand you're a competitor, Tom. I understand maybe you think some other quarterbacks are beneath you as the GOAT, but you're either going to shake everyone's hand or no one's hand, and you can't say it's social distancing and you can't say it's a COVID thing because you're being selective in 2020 who you're shaking hands with. Now, you're the GOAT. It's okay. You're not going to lose any more face by going out there and shaking hands with Nick Foles. I know he beat you in the Super Bowl, and maybe you didn't want to ruin his moment okay. But if he beats you in another game, you go out there and you shake his hand. If Jared Goff beats you, again, another guy that you beat in the Super Bowl, you shake his hand. You'll be a good sport. That's what we're trying to do here. Or you shake nobody's hand. But you can't pick and choose, Tom Brady, which one you do, which one you don't. It's not cool. So get better about that, Tom. You've only got a year or so left to play. That'll be one of the potential Super Bowl props. Will Brady shake hands at the uh, end of the game? Getting ready for that already. We're only a month away from that. Uh, okay, so every Groundhog Day, they pull the groundhog out, and they determine whether or not he sees a shadow, whether we'll have more winter or we'll have an early spring. Groundhog Day for Major League Baseball is coming up on Wednesday. On Wednesday, that is the non-tender deadline for a lot of teams as to whether or not they're going to pay their players in 2020 or if they decide, hey, let's let them go as free agents. There are a lot of really good names out there, and if they are non-tendered, you can expect a very weak free agency. But if they are, that'll be a good sign. It'll mean the money will be spent, hopefully. Keep an eye on that. Coming up, we'll cover it here on Fantasy Sports today. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at noon.